Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be reviewing Wild Tiled West. And if you're familiar with the podcast and some of the anticipated games from Gen Con, you'll know this was on Natasha's list. Uh, Natasha talked about it on her list and then it became a game that I wanted to see at <laughs> Gen Con and it ended up being a game that I purchased at Gen Con. So we're going to, we're going to review Wild Tiled West. And then in the discussion topic, Natasha has made a top 10 list. Um, a few episodes ago, her and I were kind of talking about how certain things offend her and certain mm-hmm. things don't, fun- don't offend her. So... I'm going to give you my top 10 most egregious, offensive, toxic traits in the board gaming community. There you have it. That's that's going to be her <laughs> that's going to be her list. I love that it is your list and I have nothing to do with it. It's not the worst things that the board gaming community do. It's my mine, like the things that offend me and I think are most damaging to the board gaming community. Yes, it's very. It'll probably be really offensive, and I'm sure that there's going to be some things in here that you disagree with me on. Uh, and there's things that I do myself, so I'm not exclusive. Like I'm not like free of these ten traits. Like I fall falls too. I, but it's going to get kind of offensive. I think maybe not offensive, but like uh, you know, might it might might make you listen. Don't don't give up on us. Don't unsubscribe. <laughs> Like it's, <laughs> it's all good fun. It's good fun. Yeah, don't yeah, don't cancel her because she came up with this list. I'm I'm excited. Like I said, you're kind of like in all or nothing kind of. You know, like some things you're just like ah whatever I don't care, and then you just don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. And other things you're just like no. <laughs> it's like I do not approve of this. <laughs> so that's yeah. kind of where, that's kind of the birth of the list, as it were. Mm-hmm. is you know what she's just like offended by and what she's not offended by so i'm excited to do that list i'm excited to sit back she was gonna like start telling me some of the stuff and i was like no i do not want to know so i'm just like you guys i have no idea what's on the list I, that said i know natasha like we're friends we play a lot of games together so i'm pretty sure i could name some things on her list but i'm in for the ride just as much as anyone else yeah i don't think there'll be any surprises for sure it seems unlikely. Um, if you've listened to it for any length of time, you'll probably be like, yep, that makes sense. That's Nothing Natasha in here thing. is going to surprise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No surprises, no big reveals, nothing terribly new, but I'm just going to recap it all in one episode. Yeah, just for the newer listeners, you can get a sense of what Natasha likes and doesn't like in her game table, on, at her gaming table. All right. <laughs> Before we get into any sort of reviews and everything like that, I know we've had listeners reach out to us and they're curious about a few things. One. How is bowling going? And two, oh. let's talk about your like 8 million softball team. So let's talk about Natasha and her sports stuff. I'm, you know, I wasn't obviously a big bowler. So I'm curious how your bowling season is panning out. You've, <laughs> you're, the best part is, so my brother listened to that episode and he sent me a text and he goes long season, you know, 12 weeks, LOL, and started laughing. I was like, yeah, I know. I told her it's like, Normally like 30. How many weeks actually is it, Natasha? It is 28 or something ridiculous. <laughs> like it's like six months. I did not know that when I signed up. It's going to take us all the way into the summer. It it ends right before softball season starts because I also play softballs on Thursdays in the summer. So 
I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> so I'm going to be doing that all winter long. But so we've had three games so far. Have we talked about my bowling team at all? Have I updated you? I haven't, right? Not a ton. No, I don't think okay. like you've talked about it a little bit and we've chatted about it. But like I said, I know listeners are curious. They want to know what's going on in the life of Natasha. They it like is... you before this list. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is so much fun. Bowling is has been so fun. So I play on a team. There's like two people that are pretty good bowlers. And then there's two of us who are new to bowling and have never bowled in any kind of way like this. And there's people on all in the whole league, like on all levels. Like there are people that throw strikes the majority of the game, and there are people that throw like you know under a hundred. So it's it's really fun because like everybody's there, everyone's having a good time. You get your handicap, so it's just all about beating yourself. And everyone's super encouraging. You know, if ever anyone gets a strike or a spare, or good, uh, you know, a good, um, you know, especially if they get a split or something, like the whole bowling alley is cheering for them so it's a lot of fun i really recommend if you can get on a bowling team bowl even if you're not any good at it and we've been doing pretty good so we've had three games the first two games we have won two of the three games the last one we only won one of them one of the two games so not bad so it's, no, it's been fun yeah it's, it's it's been a lot of fun i highly recommend it i told my husband i said i want to bowl with you and, and another couple because i think it'd be a good fun activity to do together as you know as a group the season can definitely be long, though. 28 weeks mm -hmm. is a smidge shorter than what I remember. I remember like 32, 33, just depending on what, like what day it fell and with like holidays and stuff. But yeah, it's it's definitely a commitment. But, you know, once I'm done with softball I'll, through the winter, I'll only have this. So once a week is fine. You know, and it's fun activity. It's 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 just fun. And I'm, I'm working. On, I'm getting better. I'm pretty consistent. You know, I think I think by the end of the season, I'll have improved. And that's that's my goal is to improve a little bit one of the things that i do like about bowling is there is that sort of communal cheering almost a little bit like yes you're being competitive yes. but if i'm if i'm going against you and i see that you've left a split and i see that you get it i'm happy that you got it because that's uh, getting splits depending on the type of split it is is an impressive feat yeah. So the fact that you did it, you know, there there's a lot of high fives. There's a lot of, when you miss something, you do a fist bump, you know, that sort of thing. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's I I've I always enjoyed that, especially with within your team. If you got a team that has like good chemistry and they're like, you know, they're cheering for you, you're standing up, you're talking, you're interacting. It can be it can be a lot of fun. It's a it's a good time. Yeah, it's just a good time. Even like if I get a strike, I'm high fiving everybody, even everyone on the opposite team. That we're playing against, or we're getting high fives. It's it's a really fun atmosphere. It's but it's competitive. Everyone's trying to do their best, but you're competing against yourself, really. And if you're competing against the other team, and you want to win, but you're not gonna, you you want the other team to do well too. It's it's just a fun atmosphere. The if there's one thing I miss about you know bowling consistently is that piece is the camaraderie, hanging out with your teammates. That sort of thing. That's the thing I miss. I The thing that got difficult for me, especially with kids, is just the sheer amount of commitment it would take. You know, every yeah. week for 33 weeks, you start basically right after Labor Day and it gets you through like April, May. You know, you're you're already getting into the summer months. It's It was always comical because bowlers also golf. It seems like it, like it's the tandem thing where they're golfing and then they're, you know, they're bowling. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know how many times in the fall or the start of the season, all bowlers did was complain about 
uh, it's golfing weather. I should be out golfing. I'm, I'm not ready for bowling. Bowling should start in October. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the season, they're like, oh, it's getting so nice. We need to start golfing again. Like, well, let's wrap this league up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It should be a slightly shorter bad weather sport is what bowling is. It, I mean, they're, they're, you can get on leagues that are shorter, that have shorter like lifespans and stuff like that, yeah. but uh, a weekday league night, yeah, 28 weeks sounds sounds a little bit better or sounds more like what it's supposed to be. More but, accurate, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's, let's talk about your 8 million softball teams because you're on <laughs> the f- seven or eight teams, nine, 12, Three. 13? <laughs> Three teams, Monday, close, Wednesday, Friday, close. all different teams, but most, but like kind of the same people on not all of them but definitely like a lot of people are on at least two teams there's a couple of us that are on all three um it's 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 fun so our wednesday night team is brand new um that one's somebody else is running and my friday night team is the one that i had um first got into softball and had kind of taken over and has been my team and this is our third or fourth year doing it and we're really improving we won one game so far this season um hasn't been that great fall is a little bit more competitive because not as many teams play in the fall so it's just kind of the ones that are super competitive but we're doing we're holding our own even um when we're losing we're doing well so that one's been really fun that's the umpire strikes back team and we got t-shirts made of uh darth vader with baseball bats in the background nice Mm -hmm. nice i can can i get a t-shirt can i get that oh yeah i'll get you one it doesn't it doesn't sound very convincing but okay and um oh okay this is kind of fun um they my friend who was organizing the the shirt details he was like what number do you want to be and i was like i I don't care (laughs) 69 (laughs) (laughs) i was like i don't care you i don't care what number i am and he is like get on a jock you know like not really nerdy at all like he's into softball and he does bowling too and um definitely like not into any of this nerd culture but he picked out a, a, a number for me, and he's like, knew I was a nerd, so he's like, oh, uh, um, my initials are NB. So he went to the periodic table and got the element called NB, you know, the initials NB. Yep, yep. It's 41, and gave me that number. And I thought that was so cool and thoughtful that he picked out something kind of nerdy for me. Isn't that sweet? The- he had to explain it. I I assume it's not like you saw forty one. You're like, oh, it's on the it's my periodic element. No, I'm not. I don't know elements that much. But I just thought that it was a a very thoughtful number to pick for me. That yes, was I agree. very personal. Yeah. And so now that'll be my number forever. So I've got forty one on all my shirts, and forever I'll have a number. If somebody nice. asks me what my number is. It'll be forty one. Moving forward, we know Natasha's number forty one. Yeah. And then, so then a new team I joined this fall, they have been playing, they played this, this spring together and now this is their second time together and they're doing really well. They're, um, they're a co-ed team, but it's, you play with seven guys and only three girls. So it's a little bit easier to get a team together because girls are always harder mm. to get together. And, um, this team is, is we've been doing the best and on this team and it's been a lot of fun playing on this team. Um, we're called the, the base invaders. Nice. Uh, I really like that name. <laughs> that one's my favorite. They came up with that one. I don't get any credit of that, but I really like that team. That one's been so far a lot of fun to play on. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. And we're moving up in the ranks too. I think we had a really good game last week, except for I injured myself running off the base, which mm-hmm. was made me feel like an old lady. I took no off running off chicken. the base. Yep. 
the ball was coming in front of me and I stopped suddenly. And I think I put all of my energy that I, I was running into the into my calf to make myself stop. And I tore something and it blew up. I hobbled my way to second base and I got a big old bruise on the back of my calf and hobbling around. So I'm hoping I feel better for tomorrow night, but you've just created so much like inertia and so much force that to instantly stop causes an injury. Yes. So you just it just goes to show you just you've created too much power with your legs trying to run to the base. If, to if stop I was and stop. a strong runner, I would be like, yeah, but I'm not even a strong runner, so I think it's just an old lady injury. And I was like, I got on the base. I was like, I was just running. Why am I hurt? It happens every adult softball team. If you have first time playing, you always get injured running. The first time you run off, hit the ball and run to the base because you take off running. You didn't stretch. You can't, We, you know, at our age, you can't just start running. Like you've got to stretch. Like everyone, like the first, very first game we had, I, I pulled my calf muscle, taken off running. Now I always stretch. This past week I didn't stretch because I was busy warming up with someone. <sighs> why would you need to stretch like it's just softball right 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 yeah and you tell <laughs> you take off running out of the base and oh i think the gosh. worst thing about getting older is the idea that you can still do some of the things you thought you could do as a child not even a child late teens 20s, 20s. you know mm-hmm. mid, like early 30s and you're just like yeah i can do this thing and then you do it and you're just like, like get oh, out of bed man, quickly uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're an idiot. You can't do that anymore. If you want to run a base, run from bad. home plate to I got, first I got base. You just stretch. <laughs> yeah. I still remember like one of my old moments. I was I was roughhousing with my son. Like we were wrestling, and this was I don't know, probably ten, eight, ten years ago. And we're roughhousing or whatever, and we're and um. As we're wrestling, I had a fishing finishing move where I was, I called it the sacrifice. I would take him and I'd lift him up. And then like, I would like fake, like break his back on my knee and whatever. So like mm-hmm. I'm wrestling him up and I like, I grab him. I'm like, it's my, it's the sacrifice. And I, I, I hold him up and my lower back said no. And it like instantly, I just like crumbled to the ground. So I had him like lifted above my head and I. I cradled him like I let him slide into like my body and I was holding him to my chest because I did not want him to fall because I was standing mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And I just like dropped to a knee and just like let him gently like let him roll onto the floor. And I was like, ah, my back. So then, you know, him <laughs> being him, he like jumps on me. And I'm like, ah, like no, oh, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And, and then he thought he, you like, were playing around. <laughs> yeah. And he thinks like, and he thinks like he, he hurt me. And I'm like, oh. no, it's not you. I need a heating fan. Don't talk to me. And the thing is, I didn't, I don't even know what I did. But you I just him re- up above your head. <laughs> too just, quickly. It, hey, listen, if I know anything about safety training videos, it's that you should not li- lift anything beyond the height of your shoulder. <laughs> yes. So that's on me. You probably used your back muscle to do it, not your legs. Got to lift with your legs. You can't lift with your back. Come on, Bob. That's that's amateur hour. That's bush league. All right. You how about we, how about we actually talk about some some board games, huh? Sounds good. All right. So this week we were going to be talking about Wild Tiled West. This is a drafting polyomino game designed by Paul Denon and art by Clay Brooks, Anika Burel, Raul Ramos, and Nate Storm. And this is published by Direwolf Games. 
So in Wild Tiled West, players are critters in the wild frontier drafting tiles to help build and grow their settlements. This game is going to be played over the course of four years. Each year is going to be broken up into individual drafting rounds. At the start of each round, the start player is going to roll some D20s and D8s. These dice will determine what cards are available to draft that round. Each player, when it is their turn, will draft a tile based on the die rolls. When they take the tile, they will place it in their settlement following some adjacency rules. Uh, there's going to be a few different tiles. So there can be pastures with cows on them, which players can wrangle by placing a cowpoke token on them. This will result in the player gaining points and a special bonus. There are buildings which have a variety of effects from endgame scoring to special bonuses to special powers during the course of the game. There are tiles with bandits and sheriffs on them, which I'll talk about here in a second. And there's also just basic alleyways players can take. So at the end of each year, after all players have done their drafting, and uh, there's a tussle. This is where the bandits come in. Uh, the player or players with the most bandits in their settlement will lose some victory points. And the player players with the least amount will gain points, but they also have to add an additional bandit to their settlement. Players can take out the bandits with the sheriffs. So over the course of the game, you are going to be gaining bullets from you know covering up spots on your settlement board or by placing buildings. If you have any bullets, when you place a sheriff, you can shoot bandits in their line of sight. If you do, you take the bullet token and you basically stand it up on the bandit, and now it's considered a tombstone. Players will keep taking turns until they have completed all four years and then they will move into final scoring. So during the game, players will have gained points from the tussles, completing cover-up, you know, the different town zones on their settlement board, and wrangling their cattle. During endgame scoring, players will lose points for each horseshoe icon uncovered on their player board. Uh, they're going to gain points from any pink buildings they've played into their settlement board, any tombstones in their settlement. There's also going to be progress on a mining track. This is uh, actually generates gold and is what the main resource is in the game. They're going to be gaining points from partner cards, which are endgame scoring objectives. Players uh, start the game with one. When they hit a certain spot on the gold track, they will acquire an additional partner card. And finally, they, were sc they will score with sets of aces. So there's going to be aces printed on the different building cards, and you're going to be gaining points whether or not you have aces of the same color or if you have sets of colors. And then at the end, the player with the most points wins. So this is a pretty brief overview because there's going to be a lot of like little details and stuff that you're trying to fill on on your player board. And the one nice thing is, as far as like replayability, there are eight different player boards, and they're all somewhat unique in their own way, which I think helps with replayability. Um, I think what makes this game fun and interesting, though, is the different things you're keeping track of on your board. So, you know, Natasha and I talked about it while playing this game that it makes you think differently than normal tie-laying games. Because you have to be selective what you fill in. You're not going to be able to fill in your entire board. Where you take a game like Planet Unknown, that's your goal is to fill in your entire board. That's what you're striving to do, and you have the ability to do it. That's an end game condition. But a game like this, and you referenced it at one point too while we were playing, is Isle of Cats. You're mm -hmm. not going to fill it in. So you need to be selective about the things you are filling in on your board. Yeah, there, there's no... Like Planet Unknown, the goal is if you play a perfect game, you can get all of them filled in, or at least as many as possible. There, there's no advantage to filling in your entire board in this game. You want to fill in the pieces that are going to score you points, the parts and pieces that are going to score you points. You know, the, there's adjacency rules. You can't just place willy-nilly. There's a lot of other factors that play into it that make the decisions really interesting. And I like that. I like that it's not just 
get the perfect pieces to fit in these nice, beautiful, you know, clean shapes like patchwork or plant unknown. This is more, I need to, to use these pieces to, that, to get me points the best way possible. Yeah, you're almost like spreading across your settlement board to get into the different things. So like on your settlement board, you're going to have a lot of printed icons. You're going to have uh, pickaxes, which is going to increase your gold track, which is going to give you more income later on. You know, at the mm-hmm. start of each year, you're gaining income and you're gaining gold, which you're going to need to buy certain tiles. Not all tiles require gold, but you do need it. It's a resource. There are little alleyway tokens that you can cover up, which is going to give you a little alleyway that you can place somewhere to basically fill in a sing- spot. single spaces, single yep. space tokens. Yeah, you're gonna you you can cover up gold. You can cover up bullets. Bullets. You can get a variety of different things. And there's those horseshoe icons, which inherently don't do anything except lose you points at the end of the game. And they're just kind of scattered throughout your settlement board. So you're always kind of thinking about, okay, can I cover all these up? Yeah. Or how many can I, how many can I cover up? They're kind of throughout the players parts of the board that you don't really care about filling up. So that's incentivizes you to maybe go that direction with it. Yep. Yeah. I like, okay, so this is a drafting game. You roll the dice, the dice go in these slots based on what you roll and then you can then draft from these sections. So it's very unique where you don't have access to all the tiles. You might not ever get access to certain tiles. If the dice aren't wrong, you're not going to get them. It, it opens up and there's different ways, but yeah, each game you're really more restricted by the dice, the rolls. So you might have a plan and want to go cow strategy or um, building strategy, but if you don't, those dice don't land on there or they do somebody else drafts them then you're kind of out of luck so you really have to it's really more a lot more restrictions with the tiles that you get yeah you're almost seeing what's available and it's it's one of those things where you're getting stuff and you're or you have the ability to get stuff but you don't determine what that stuff is and then you just have to make the best decision possible with what you have left over to do Mm -hmm. there's a lot of tiles in the game but there's not a lot of each tile in the game. Yes. There's, there's like, like two or three. Yep. Yeah. So Planet Unknown is a game you and I both love. And mm-hmm. one the nice thing about that is you have that Lazy Susan and you're rotating it and you have access to every single tile on the board. The decision is the type of shape you're looking for and the decision is what is on the tiles that are sitting on top. Because like you might have, you want a specific tile, but if it has a you know meteorite on it, you might not want it. That sort mm-hmm. of thing. In this game, you don't have, like you said, you don't have access to everything. You have access to what you rolled on your die. Now, that th- that said, you can manipulate things. So I said in the beginning, there's you rolled a d20 and you roll a d8, depending on player count. The d20s, you have a couple boards sitting in the main center. The d20s are going to wrap around the outside of the boards. So those give you access to like, prairie tiles, I guess is the best way to describe it. So those ones, you just, wherever the die is, that's what you get. Now, the boards are arranged in such a way that if there's a tile missing directly in that spot, you can take the next tile over. But you can only do that if all the tiles in that one particular location have been drafted. The river dice, which are the D8s, are going to be basically go on the top and the bottom of each of these boards. And those act a little different because you have access to the, to the tile that's directly next to the die. But you can skip it to buy the next tile in progression or the next tile in progression, but you're paying gold in order to do that. So you do have the ability to jump tiles specifically just with the D8s, which I actually really like that it's restricted that way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not 
So you have a little bit of wiggle room, specifically with the D8s, but you have less with the D20s, which I I actually like. I like that restriction because I think that is what provides the tension in that game is yep. that restriction. You can't count. You can't leave a hole the specific shape and think you're going to get it. You might. But you might not, you know, and there's a good chance that will never get rolled in the game. Or if it does once, somebody else takes it. We're in we're in those other type of games where you're like, you know, it's coming. You can know you can get a chance of getting it somehow. You know, at least you have good odds of getting it. Yeah. And, and it's it, it because of that, it plays very differently than a lot of polyamino games. So let's talk about the the theme and the art and stuff. Sure. The the theme is Wild Wild West. And it's um, pol- uh, it is anamorphic animals, yep. which I love. It's so it's cutesy, wild, wild west. It's not dark and gritty. It's it's cutesy and, and cartoony and a lot of fun. The theme mm-hmm. is super cute. Uh, you touched on everyone's boards are unique. So the there's a everyone has a board and you can flip it either side. You've got a basic version and a advanced version. And the mm-hmm. basic version, everyone's board functions the same, but they're all shaped differently. You know, so everyone's got a unique board, different towns, the way that things are placed on the board is unique. So that's really cool. And then you flip it over and now you've got this advanced rule where everyone has special powers and a completely unique board. So there's a lot of variety in that. I, I like the theme and the artwork a lot. I think it really adds to the game, makes it cutesy and fun. The theme makes sense. Like all the iconography is very straightforward. Like, you know, if you cover a bullet, you're getting a bullet. You know, if you cover gold, you're getting a gold. Like, it's really yep. simple. I think this is a a definitely more advanced polyomino game, but you could easy teach it to just about anybody because the theme really makes it really simple. I agree. Going through that rule book initially, I thought there might have been some things that seemed more complicated than they needed to be, like tile placement and everything along those lines. But it, it's actually not that bad. Basically, tile placement, you're placing adjacent to another tile. There are printed sections on your board. Certain ones you can't cover up, like there's mines and and hills that you just can't place a tile on, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. There are other like little small pastures you can connect into, and then that will help with your adjacency as long as you're connected into it. Now it becomes part of your, you know, grid of tiles that you have. So that's nice. The one thing that I would say is slightly complicated is the sheriff's shooting. So in order to shoot... You need to have bullets. If you don't have bullets and you place a sheriff, you're just out of luck. Sorry, you're not going to be able to do anything. But Mm -hmm. when you place a sheriff and you have bullets available, you can shoot. Now, the sheriff is going to shoot in straight lines. So up, down, left, right. No diagonals, just, you know, north, south, east, west. They're going to shoot in a straight line. But they can't shoot through mountains, which makes sense. They can't shoot through mines, which, again, makes sense thematically can't shoot through a building right why why Mm -hmm. would you be able to shoot through a building and you can't shoot through cows so all of them thematically do do make sense the only real issue is you're it's almost like uh oh man i really want to get the sheriff tile but i don't have any bullets Mm -hmm. and it's there's just something that like mm, there's just something that makes me happy when you get a bullet icon you're just sitting there laying out flat and you're just like all right this is a bullet and then you kill a bandit and you flip it and you put it on there and it looks like a tombstone. <laughs> there's just there's just something about it that I just mm, it just I love it. I don't it's just that little bit of like extra little fluff that I just really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, it's cute. The bandits are a little bit they remind me of debts in the 
Paladins uh, West Kingdom games. Yeah, those games. Agreed. Yeah, because yep. you get them and they're bad because they could lose you points if you have the most of them. But if you if you can shoot them down, then they're worth victory points at the end of the game. So you kind of want to get them. They're on they're on the good tiles, so you like don't want to get them because they're they're bandits and you might lose points. But the tile is really good, and then if you shoot them down, you know you'll get points for shooting them down, and you can shoot them down before the tussle then you won't even lose points. So it's got this really, it's got a really nice amount of tension. Um, it's Yeah, I really like it. I think you can ex- explore a lot of ways to score points in this game. You can yes. dabble in a few things. You can try to focus specifically on things that you think that will get you big chunks of points. For example, we, the last game we played, when we, we ended up playing the advanced side, because we had done the, done the original side, but the advanced side, I don't think, as a seasoned gamer, if if you've played games before, a lot of times you'll get a game and it'll be like, for the first introductory, do this and then add this after you've played. I think people can understand the more complicated sides as long as they're, you know, experienced gamers. I don't think it I don't think you have to do mm-hmm. the basic sides. But one of the players leaned very heavily into the poker cards, which I I glossed over kinda. Like I didn't really mention it too much in the overview. But each of the buildings might have like specific aces, ace icons on them. And you can score a decent amount of points. Like you can, if you score, I think if you have three of the same, it's like six, six points. points. Four of the same is 12 points, I think. Yeah. So it's it's a good, like you want to get all four of them. Well, and it, talking about a game that, you know, if you have a bunch of sets, you can score a ton of points. And mm-hmm. he had the advanced board that if he was able to connect to the outsides of the boards, those aces scored him additional points. And I'm pretty sure he ended up having a partner card that gave him additional points for yeah, the gambler. The gambler, exactly. So he was all in on these ace cards. And so we go into final scoring, and it's it's not even close with him. Like I I'm at like 78. Natasha's at like 80. Chris, uh, our other friends at like 75 and he's at like 20 mm-hmm. we're like dang dude like this dude like and so we're we're going he's, through the score he's not getting this game clearly like <laughs> yeah it's just like we're like man I, at one point i was just like is like he had to have passed 50 and at one point i said something to him and he was just like no all my points are in aces and i was like okay so we start going through final scoring you know we're catching up or we're catching you know we're moving through we're moving through and finally at one point i think Natasha had caught up to him after one particular scoring opportunity. And then we got into aces and he just ended up lapping like some of us because of how many points he had scored. He had put all his effort in that and it paid out so many end game points. Mm -hmm. You didn't think he had, he stood a chance and I think he took what, like second. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Because he just, there's so many points. And I love the fact that you can play a game like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I enjoy doing that where it looks like people are just like, what's up with Bob? He doesn't have any points. And then all of a sudden you're just like 90, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> move me on up. I, th- I think there's a lot here. There's a lot in the game, you know, the exploring different strategies, which is good. I don't know. My concern is maybe it'll get stale after a while, but I think you're so restricted in the, the tile, the, the, one of the townsfolk that can help you and the tiles that come up with the dice roll that it will make it interesting and, and the, all the variety that you get with the maps. I think that yeah. that will really increase the longevity of this game. It is a little, it's definitely more thinky. You've got a few options you have to choose from. So turns take a little bit longer because 
you have to think about what tile you want to take on your turn. So it is a little bit longer. It feels longer than what it should be because it's just a little slow. Like if if you've got slow players too, it's it, it could really slow down. There could be a lot of AP, I think. You don't have yeah. that many choices, but you still think about all the options you could you can do and then you place them and yeah. Well, sometimes you have a tile available that you've been waiting on to, you know, complete uh, a city on your settlement map. Mm-hmm. And like you're waiting for you finally see that tile. But then you see another tile that you're like, oh, man, I really that tile's really good. It's mm-hmm. really good for what I'm trying to do. But mm-hmm. I can fill in this settlement. And that's it. the settlement pieces, which are the cities that we haven't really touched on too much, is you're going to have different areas on your settlement board that are shaded blue. And as soon as you fill in the shaded blue, you complete a quote unquote town and Mm -hmm. you're going to score points in each, the bigger the town, the more points it is. And it's almost castles of Burgundy style where you gain more points if you finish it earlier. So in like the first year you gain eight points, the next year you gain four points, the next year you gain two points. And if you complete it in the last year, you don't gain any additional bonus points. And which I, for some reason I just enjoy doing that because I like, I like trying to race to complete something, you know, like in Castles of Burgundy. I love completing stuff in that first round. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always looking at like, what can I, what's the one, like, what should, can I get a bunch of ones, you know, regions that I can just start scoring 11 points on? Like, th- I love that. Yeah. So what are you going to come in at? I'm coming in at a nine. I really liked it. I agree with you 100% on that. I'm coming in at a nine. I know Natasha had talked about some replayability issues for her. I think this is one of those games that content wise, you aren't getting more content with repeated plays. You're just, it's a puzzle of not only the polyomino piece, that spatial reasoning puzzle of putting things on your board, but the puzzle of, okay, this is what's out there. This has been what's rolled. This is what I have, you know, this is what I have access to. What am I going to do with this? You know, in, in, Something like Lorenzo Il Magnifico, when you roll the dice, like that's what you have. Like that's, you're going to have to do the best with what you get. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get to like manipulate it more than that. And like sometimes you can make jumps and you can do some manipulation to get the kind of tile you want. But I think the replayability comes in the maps, which you get like eight player maps, which I love. I love the fact that you, even the basic maps are slightly different, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, there's a decent amount of replayability in this. Yeah. So who's this game for? I think it's, you know, for polyamino lovers, obviously, that's an instant in. It, it, I think it's a good family game, like, you know, older kid family game. I think it's a good casual game to play. I think it's got enough meatiness and crunchiness to make it really satisfying, but it's not. And it does have a lot of rules, but the theme really helps make sense of the rules. So I think it's an easier one to teach. Yeah. I agree. I the nice theme helps. Weight game. Yeah, that the, the theme helps a lot. It, it, it excuses a lot of the rules and complexities of the mechanics because it makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, definitely. Ch- if you like polyomino games and you like drafting, honestly, I feel like this is one of those no-brainer games. I think you'll get, based on the maps, I think you'll get more than your value out of what the game would cost. Just based on like all the different maps and stuff that you get within the box, I think it's a good game. I think it's pretty solid. So that is Wild Tiled West. And at this point, that is the only game we're reviewing. So we're going to take a break. But when we come back, Natasha is going to give us her top. What is it again? Your top 10 egregious 
most toxic people... traits in the board gaming community. The most yeah. offensive, egregious, toxic, problematic. I'm going to get some things off my chest. Is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I can't wait. See you after the break. All right. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Next up, we are going to talk through my list of most offensive, uh, egregious, problematic, toxic traits or people like, uh, I shouldn't say people, behaviors in the board gaming community that I think are problematic and ruin the game experience for other people. All right. I'm excited to hear this list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, this behavior affects other people decreases their enjoyment of the game and i think needs to we need to all collectively work on trying to be better at not being these types of people or being having this behavior and and, and no fault if anybody does this like there's a few on here that i am guilty of and even some that I, more ones that more i'm more guilty of are like my 11 12s you know they're not as bad because i do them but yeah, so of- yeah no it's fine because you yeah. did them I did them, so it's not as not quite mm-hmm. as egregious or offensive. Yep. So I am not free of guilt here. Um, but you know, it's nice to know. Like I think, I think everybody does a lot of these things, and it's fine. But you kind of try to recognize the behavior and, and stop it. You don't have to be perfect all the time, but you try to at least, you know, if you get real cranky, you try to at least apologize for being cranky and try not mm-hmm. to be. You mm-hmm. know, that's all. That's all. So no shade if you are like this um, and no shade if you completely disagree with me and want to continue being like this. That is fine, too. I will say this. So yes. you there are certain things that you do and do not like. And there are times where you will be like, Man, I don't care. I'll be like, how do you feel about this thing? And you're like, Meh, whatever. I don't care. No big deal. And I'll be mm-hmm. like, well, what about this thing? And you're like, I find that so incredibly offensive. Like, I cannot believe it's just so offensive. And I'm like, really? You're like, yeah, I don't like it. But if you and I, you and I have had conversations about these things that you find offensive and like, you're always willing to listen to other people's side of it for them to explain to you, you know, why they do the things that they do. You know, like you are, you hate sleeved cards, but you Mm -hmm. know why I like sleeved cards. So like. As much mm-hmm. as you're like, ugh, ugh, sleeve cards, you're still going to play a game that I have that's sleeved, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The sleeved cards are not on my list. Doesn't, it's like, it does it's offend like 15. me, but, you know, I might put, sure. I might put sleeved cards in with my number 10. We can, yes, actually, yes. You find them so offensive that you put them, you, they now made just, now made the list? No, no, no. I'm loop. I'll explain. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll we explain. digress. So, like okay. I said, no surprises. You might disagree with this. I think my number 10 is going to be the most disagreeable one. I think I will possibly lose invites over this. Uh, I'm and so you, excited. If you would disagree with me, I mean, frankly, you're wrong, but that's fine. Everybody <laughs> can have wrong opinions. <laughs> All, right. All right. What is it? My number 10 is the food place. Now, here's the thing. I have yep. a human body. It requires mm-hmm. nutrients mm-hmm. to for brain power. 
I also like to snack. I would like to freely snack at the game table, regardless of the game I'm playing, without judgment. I do not believe that games should be that <laughs> precious to where we don't want to get things spilled on them or crumbs on them or touch things with our sweaty fingers. Like, games are meant to be played. They will be played. They will be used. There's no need to sleeve cards. They're just going to wear and tear. If your games are that precious to where you don't want anything bad to happen, then don't play with them. Leave them on the shelf. Fine. They'll rot. They don't, things will destroy over time. They won't hold up. They don't hold intrinsic value. Like these are not collectible items. And if they are, then maybe you shouldn't play with them. I think being that protective of your games, you're putting your games and your things above the enjoyment of other people around you. And that is a toxic behavior. (laughs) It's, I don't, uh, I don't know. Like, in some ways, I disagree with you. In other ways, like, yeah, I get it, right? Because the thing is, when we're having a game night, and let's say we're having a game night at my house, there's snacks. There's always going to be snacks. Like, I don't care. There's snacks. Mm -hmm. What I don't want is you to bring your bag of Cheetos over. Nobody's bringing Cheetos, Bob. Nobody's brought Cheetos. We've all established we don't eat Cheetos at game night. Fine. I still think that's dumb. I should be able to eat Cheetos, but I won't. Can I finish, please? Fine. Thank you. So the thing is this. you Okay, let's talk about a different example. Let's take some sort of chip product, cheddar and sour cream uh, ruffles. You and I both said they're the best chips. Cheddar and sour cream ruffles, right? You heard it here first. Cheddar and sour cream ruffles. Mm -hmm. But they can be a thing that gets on your fingers. You can get the little bit of cheddar dust on your fingers, right? Mm-hmm. I understand, and I will still have cheddar and sour cream chips at my thing. The only thing I ask is before you start like moving things around and manipulating with stuff, you just you know wipe your hand on a little 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 towel, a little little paper towel. Have a okay. napkin, little you know, like clean your hands off, or like I don't care, rub it on your shirt for all I care. The last thing I want to do is I want to I don't want to pick up a token, pick up a card, and have it be sticky. I'm I'm operating under the assumption that I'm an adult. I do not eat food with my fingers and then touch things. You know, I don't lick my fingers and then touch your game. Like, this is all under, like, that I am basic hygiene etiquette here. You know, I know I'm, I'm not the cleanest person. Sure. But I, you know, if my fingers get sticky, I'll wash them. Like, I will use a napkin and wipe, I will use my clothing, really, and wipe my hands off. You know, like... This is not like if you're talking like somebody who's got stuff all over their fingers or touching your stuff. That's that's a whole different level of bad manners and etiquette unrelated to like normal snacking at board game like normal like you accidentally spilled your pop like that really sucks. Your stuff's going to get all all um all sticky, but like making somebody feel like garbage because they accidentally spilled something or not allowing beverages on your game table because you don't want to run the risk of somebody accidentally spilling it. Like most people are adults. Things aren't going to get spilled. If things get spilled, we wipe them up and we move on with our lives. It's not a big deal. Things should not be more important than our, the friendships that we're building, the experiences that we're having. These are just board games. They are going to deteriorate with time. When I'm talking about this, I'm under the assumption that we are all adults and running under basic 
food etiquette rules. Have you been to a gaming convention before? A couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one or two. Okay. Um, Operating under the assumption that we have basic hygiene is not a thing I think you can talk about in like the world of like nerdism. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. But then the problem... The problem is not that they're eating food at the table. The problem is that these people don't have basic table etiquette. Sure. You know what I mean? Dif- That's different the set of problems. Different set of problems. Sure. All right. Which okay. was yeah, I which mean, is I one guess. of my higher lists. Like, you know, definitely the stinker was on my list. You know, and, and I think that that basic human um interaction rules, like, you know, I'm I'm under all of I'm assuming that. And if they don't have that, then then that's the underlying problem, which is not on my list. So basic human etiquette is not on my top 10 list. Understood. Got it. Okay. Not as important. Yeah. Don't tell me not to eat at the table. It makes me feel bad. And I don't want to be around you. The Part of the reason why like this is a thing is that it's recently happened where somebody asked you not to eat around their game and you got mm-hmm. really offended by it. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody asks you that, are you just like completely done? Like, are you like, I'm out. Like, I can't. I can't even. I mean, I don't get up and walk away, but I, I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be Got around it. somebody okay. who's going to put that much effort into judging me and what I do and worry and worry. Would rather, I would rather have nice things than have me around or make me feel welcome. You just kind of described our whole relationship. Like that's all I ever try to do is make you feel unwelcome, and it just <laughs> doesn't seem to be working at all. But doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people are more important than things, so. Yeah, I, th- I I can agree with that, and I can see that. And, like, if somebody spills a drink on my game, like, I'd be frustrated, but I'd be frustrated if they just spilled a drink in general because I'm like, you're an adult. Like, how, how are you spilling a drink? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Or somebody spills like, a drink at my dinner table. I'm like, oh, great. Now I got to clean it up. But that's the yeah. extent of it. And, and cleaning up a board game is more work. So I'm irritated. I got to do more work and clean this up. I let it dry out like it's work and it sucks. But like they didn't they weren't being funny and like, oh, I'm spilling a drink like it was an accident. I, I've seen somebody yeah. accidentally spill a drink at a on a game that wasn't theirs and just so felt so bad, like felt like crap because they spilled a, a drink on a game. I'm like, who cares? Like, we're going to wipe it up. It's not even going to be noticeable. Like, you don't we don't need to be putting people in these positions where they feel like garbage human beings because they made a mistake and i'm not okay with that you spill a game on my drink and it leaves a stain cool every time i get out that game out i'm gonna think about you and i that played that game together and that's not gonna bother me i love how you said if you spill a game on my drink (laughs) you're so heated (laughs) i love it (laughs) i'm so worked up i can hardly even speak yeah (laughs) Ah, i'm just oh i just i hate it so much I do that the sleeved card slash like eating that seems to be like a common thing people are struggling with in the industry. So it's it it definitely is is definitely somewhat polarizing. People are either all in or all. I used to be a little bit more I I let people do it, but like internally I was more like ugh, ugh, ugh. and now the maybe you've rubbed off on me a little bit with that. I I like having my games clean. I like having, like, I'm just naturally a person that likes to be, you know, have clean things, like my house to be tidy, you know, my, my, like, that's just how I am. So that's, it just translates to the board games. 
But worst case scenario, if somebody spills something and we we get to it too late and it ruins some stuff, I'll just buy another copy. Like there's not many games that I own that it's unlikely I'll ever be able to buy another copy of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just a game. It's it even if you take perfect care of your games, they're gonna wear out if you play them. All right. Well, that's my number ten, the Food Police. My number nine is the frustrated learner. And this can manifest itself in a few different ways. Hmm. So like I see it a lot with new people getting really overwhelmed by games, like learning all the rules and not, not quite understanding it. And I just want to give them a little bit of patience. Like you don't need to understand how it's all going to work. Let's just start playing. It'll kind of click as we go, you know, and I see that a lot of people get really frustrated because it doesn't make any sense because obviously like explaining rules doesn't make sense for most people besides board gamers. But like for the average casual gamers, like over explaining all these rules and getting in the nuanced things is really, really overwhelming and so they get really frustrated. So I think like I've seen that frustration play out. Well, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, okay, let's just do a couple turns and then all of a sudden it starts to click. So you can get, I see a lot of frustration in that, but you know, they get a free pass on a lot of that. Um, the thing that bothers me more than anything is is like the the one that's frustrated that they didn't remember this rule or you didn't teach them this rule and now they are doing poorly and I, I can't stand that. Like this is their first time playing the game. You had to learn it. This is a learning game. You should not be here to win. Be Do your best. Be competitive. But Learn the game. That's the point of learning a game is to learn it. You don't need to win the first time you learn a game. Somebody forgot a rule. No big deal. Chances are they they did teach you the rule. You just don't remember it because it's really hard to learn all the rules in one teach and remember them all. So give yourself a little bit of grace. Move on. Don't get mad with the, to the teacher because either they forgot something or you didn't remember it. I'm all with you on this one, honestly. Like you're speaking my language. The frustrated learner... I mean, I, man, I don't know. Cause I've been frustrated a few times where like, I think I'm going to do something and somebody's just like, ah, eh, you don't do that. But then a lot of times I chalk it up, like whatever. It's like, I'm learning this game. It is what it is. Like that's mm-hmm. part of the learning process. No big deal. But when you get all, when you get all whiny about it, like, oh, I would have done things so different if I would have known that was how it went. It's okay. You play it again. Do it differently the next time. Now, you know, move forward. If you score. 50 points less than everybody else. It's your first game. You don't need to feel bad about that. That is completely fine. I think with that, some people's pride gets in the way. Okay. Because well, hold they're up li- on that. We're not going to go down that tangent just yet. <laughs> Let's talk about just specifically as a board game learner. Sure, 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 sure. Board game learner. Yep. You need to be gracious and forgiving of the teacher. Even if they're a horrible teacher, move on with your life. Yeah, I think you need to give the teacher some grace. Because the thing is, that is one of those responsibilities that I've noticed a lot of people don't like to do. It's not one of the things that people are just jumping for joy to be the one who teaches. There are people in our gaming group that teach more often than others. And I, I know at least for me, I have worked on trying to be better at teaching. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm trying, I'm actively trying to be better at. But mm-hmm. that's the thing is if something gets messed up, it gets messed up. Like, oh, well, it is what it is. 
Like it's that's the nature, especially in some of the rule books and the Euro games you play. Certain things are complicated. There are times where things are written down and you read and you're like, that doesn't quite make sense. And then you have to like talk to the table about what the thing is. Does it does it mean this? Does it mean that? Like, what do you guys think? And then you mm-hmm. start inferring things based on other stuff. But yeah, I anyone who's willing to teach me a game, if you mess up, oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah. Like if somebody we're at the bar and and somebody teaches you Skull King and you get all the rules wrong, like it's not a deal. You're still there to have a good time. That's what matters. I I'm listen. The the only the that was mm, mm, mm-hmm. I loved that based solely on the fact with the amount of I could give you on messing up all those rules and feel like being like, <laughs> mm, I don't think that the way that's the way it played and you're like ah, I think the best part is you're just like ah whatever I think it's I think it's this and I'm not gonna I'm check the rule book. <laughs> It, it, that was fun the, the the good thing about that whole experience was that we still had a great time we have a great memory from it everyone had fun yeah. nobody was upset about it nobody got personally offended they would have won the game had i taught the rules right what or had the per- teacher taught the rules right whatever um didn't matter it was a fun time and that's what matters you get the rules it's sometimes it's easier to learn the game then you go back and like self-correct read the rule book Oh, miss that, miss that. Then you play it correctly. Cool. Like we don't need to get all mad about that stuff. How many times have you heard a you you get a text from the from a you played a game or whatever for the first time, somebody taught it, you know, and you get a text that said, We played that wrong. It, this is how that action should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're just like, Oh, okay. And then you sit down the next time you remember it. You're like, Okay, there's this thing that I need to do. Yeah. It really it really uh, frustrates me. When people accuse me of not teaching them something in the game, mm-hmm. when they start doing something, I'd be like, no, you can't do that. And they're like, well, you never told me that. It really like bothers me. And I don't know if I just take it so personal that they're blaming me for the fact that they can't do this thing. Yeah. Or if it's just like, you know, the, and because I'm trying to get better at teaching games, maybe I'm taking offense that like I still haven't progressed to be a better teacher. But I also, I just think it's, I th- I think it's a I think it's a player problem, not a teacher problem, as you would say. A hundred percent. Here is the thing: you cannot teach a game perfectly. I don't care how good of a teacher you are. Like you cannot go over the nuanced rules, and if you do, I am no. I don't want to know all the nuanced rules. I will Ow. figure out if this p- tile is not allowed to go here or here. You let me know when I play it. Good. We're gonna go with that. I can only absorb so much of my brain. A perfect teach cannot be done. When you're learning, you're not going to get all the information. You're going to get the most as the teacher thinks you need to to play the game. As we go on, we'll get in the nuances. It's just the way it is. Yeah. These big, complicated games. At the end of the day, it's funny, too, because, like, you often say, like, I'm good at games. And, like, I think I do okay. I think I do all right. But, like, at the really, I just, I like to be competitive. And I understand there's going to be spots where we're, I'm going to play a game where people know really well and it's the first time I'm playing, then I'm probably not going to do well. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, as long as I'm like within the pack, I'm com- I'm competitive, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not like getting smoked in the game. It's fine. Like I'm cool. And a lot of times there's just that you can find satisfying things that you're doing within the game, especially once the, the pieces start clicking and mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, I get it now. 
mm-hmm. you know, in the the first half of the game, I've scored, you know, 20 points in the second half of the go- game. I scored 80 D- doing that and having that experience, I think, is is rewarding within itself, too. But be a good learner. Be a gracious learner. People make mistakes. Nobody's going to teach it to you perfectly. Move on. Oh, OK, cool. I'll do it that way then. Now, you know. And then yeah, I'd be like, yeah. I really want to play it again from the beginning when I understand all the rules. Like, even the first time we played Wild Child West, like, explained everything. I totally understood the rules. But it it just doesn't, you, you kind of just play things and see how it goes. And then by the end of it, you're like, oh, I should have done this differently. I should have done this. Now that I understand the game, I want to play it again and and do it differently. Like, you couldn't have taught that. Like, that's just how learning a game for the first time goes. I don't know why people get so worked up and try to do so good at a first time play in my opinion a first time play should be quick we're just going to all do different things so that we get the hang of the game figure things out see how it goes and then you play it again and now you've got a strategy everyone understands the game you pick a strategy you go for it and then that's where you're being competitive i really really believe that i know that's really hard when we play a lot of games only one time but i really think that should be the mindset of the board gaming community i think we'd have a lot more fun that way Rules are almost like a top-down view on the, what the game is, and it and it clicks when you start manipulating the pieces. Yeah. So when you start doing the pieces, when you start, it starts getting everything starts getting put together. A hundred percent. All right, that is my number nine: the frustrated learner. All right, number eight is a something that's really important to me. This is the exclusive gamer. I really Ooh. believe we should include everyone. People should be, we should be actively inviting people, actively including people, not getting, discluding people or getting frustrated with them because of their personality or their um, maybe disability, you know, social mannerisms, stuff like that. I really think we should be including people and not just playing with our best friends that we like to play games with. And I think if we continue if you continue excluding people, it's not going to bring people in and, and, and it's not going to be the community we want. And I don't think it's a very, I don't think it's problematic in the gaming community. I really love this community because it's so inclusive. And I just mm-hmm. think it's something we need to be really mindful of that we're not excluding people. Yeah. I mean, I think you strive to make sure people are included. And I'm and like, I really want to, I want people to feel like they're included. But at the same time, uh, there's certain people I just don't want to play games with, you know, just a personality thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so how do you because this point in particular seems to like be at odds with number nine, which is, you know, somebody like telling you not to like, you know, eat chips or whatever. I remember because you were just like, yeah, you. I remember you telling me a story. You were eating something and somebody was just like, can you not eat around my game? Mm-hmm. And you got like real offended and you're like, and then didn't play games with them. That's not mm-hmm. being inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like. Okay. So, yeah, I get it. And I can see that. And that was what I was going to say is I know that seems counterintuitive when I'm making a list of all the people that I don't like and including them. But I think that we still need to include these people. We just need to not tolerate the bad behaviors. So this is what it looks like. It is including people. And then also talking to them about b- problematic behaviors. So teaching teaching adults to adult better. I don't know that I'm going to be great at this either. It's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Maybe what that means for you, if you've got people that you don't click with, it's you're right. You shouldn't have to play with people that you don't click with. 
maybe what that looks like to you is welcoming welcoming them, saying seeing them, saying hi to them, chit-chatting them, making them feel welcome. And you've got a big enough group, you know, and you're changing, maybe changing things up throughout the night. So if you've got somebody with a strong personality that just kind of like doesn't have problematic behaviors, but maybe you don't want to spend the whole night with them. What that means is rotating the groups around. You know, you're playing with different people throughout the night. You're not excluding them from ever playing with you. You know, it doesn't mean you have to play every game with them, but it, you're welcoming them in the community. You're welcoming them in the into the space and you're playing a game or two with them over the course of a few weeks or whatever it is for you. I think the spirit of what you're saying is we at the end of the day we need to we need to be an inclusive community we need to be welcoming we need to be inviting but that doesn't mean you have to like everyone you're going to play a game with and mm-hmm. you don't have to play games with every single person yes. that you don't like yes right and it is completely fine to call people out on their bad behavior you can do this in a nice gentle way but if somebody is so unaware of bad behavior it's you're being a good person by informing them. Hey, that wasn't very much fun to play with you tonight when you got really angry about that turn. This is supposed to be a fun experience. If you could work on that, that would be great and try to at least hide your negative feelings. You don't have to always be happy. You know, Having that polite, kind conversation with somebody who's c- completely clueless is really a, a nice thing to do because oftentimes people are clueless. They don't realize how they're coming across. And if you can call it out in a way that is truthful and honest, direct to the point, but kind, I think you, you're, you, that's how you're welcoming and you're encouraging like, Hey, I really want you to be here, but, but I want you to, um, succeed here. I want people to want to play games with you. And when you're cranky and you know, um, it, it makes it feel like you're not having fun and people don't necessarily want to play with you that way, you know, stuff like that. I think you can go ahead and have that responsibility between you and I. Because I can't, I don't have the gentle gloves for something like that. And everyone like, everyone's like, oh, Natasha, with her curly hair, she's so sweet. Like, oh, Natasha. You're going to be like, yeah, uh, quit doing that stuff. You're making everyone miserable. And they're like, oh, oh, thanks. Thanks for telling me. And I'd be like, hey, hey. I I think we we do a good job. (laughs) Are you okay? Like you, you got real, real upset. And I think it, I think it affected the group. And then all of a sudden they're just like, Bob, you're a jerk. Yes. (laughs) Like, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think am. that's easier said than done. And I know that it's really difficult. I think some of the ways that we can approach that is to to gently tease each other, right? And we did that really well in our group. We called it out. I was like, oh, you're gonna take your turn? Oh, oh, you're gonna pay attention this time. You can do that with your friends and stuff. And yeah. you can you can you're gonna have to kind of read the room. Is that appropriate? You don't want to push too far, but you can let people know. It's okay to let people know that they're kind of ruining the fun for everybody. You don't want to be mean about it. Yeah, there's like gent like there's there's little things that get said that you just start like poking a little fun at. Like we have a friend who's like, "All right, hear me out," and like <laughs> I love it. And then I'm just like, "All right, yeah, I I know what he's trying to do, right? He's trying to like explain to me his like thought process for a turn and everything like that." And I'm cool with it. But like, I think at one point I'm just like, "All right, before you know, he has a hear me out turn. Let's." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just a jerk that way. And but. and there is like strong personalities. And if it's a personality thing, like you just don't like them, their their behavior isn't problematic, then I think you need to look inward and like, why do I have a problem with their personality? Like, 
you know, and I'm not asking you to be best friends with them, but at least think of it when somebody has a personality that clashes with you, then that that's kind of a you problem. If you can't you can't pinpoint poor behaviors and it's just you don't like them, then maybe you need to look inward and think, why don't I like them? Like, what can I do to change my attitude? How can I, you know, foster a more inclusive environment? So that that's my advice. Harder said than done. My number eight, the exclusive gamer toxic. Get trait. out of here. Get. <laughs> going no, no, no. get. No, 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 we don't get. We're gonna we're gonna work on developing. Oh, wait, wait. That. You go on you go on you come here and play it. I don't know. All right. Next. <laughs> All right. Number seven. Oh, Bob, you're gonna like this one. Mm-hmm. This one I call the backup teacher. Oh man, I oh. <laughs> you sat down at a game, someone starts teaching it. And then friend B is like, oh, yeah, 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 because you want to do that because it did it. And then the friend C is like, ooh, yeah. Oh, did you tell him about the money? Did you explain the money? Did you explain that one part? No, 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 no. When somebody is teaching a game, 100% of the teach needs to be done by them. 100% of the teach needs to be done with them. If they get to the end of the teach and they forgot something, you may speak up. But they need to be completely done. If you think they forgot something, make a mental note. You can circle back. You do not need to interrupt the teacher (laughs) and let them know about this one thing that they forgot. They may be planning on doing it. They may have forgotten it. Either way, you are not the teacher. There needs to be one teacher all the time, full stop, no interruptions. I Mm. I am hard and fast in this rule. This is very clean, very simple, one teacher. If you want to add things at the end, you are welcome to add things at the end. Preach, sister. Preach it. <laughs> I, I agree If you are ever tempted so to back up the teacher, stop and don't. Just don't. Stop. If you catch Drop yourself doing roll. it, then go, oh, shouldn't have done that. Don't Oop. do it again. Oop. Oop. Just coming through. Oop. It is really hard. I have, I have, I do it all the time when I know a game. I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, I want to share. I want to get in. I do it. I catch myself. I have done it multiple times. Don't. There is no reason. Even if it's a terrible teach at the end of it, then you are free to speak. Yes, I agree 100%. I can't stand the backup teacher. It just becomes annoying. If you do it once or twice, like whatever, like I understand you're just excited to play the game and you're excited to share this experience with a, a new player. And I get it, but... I'll I'll tolerate a couple. I'll tolerate an, a correction, a quick correction. Yes. That's it. Okay. Continue. Yeah. I I the one thing I will say is it's happened to me before where I'm teaching a game and somebody's done that and I finally stopped and I look at them and I'd be like, "Do you just want to teach the game then?" Because I there's a certain pattern that teachers have and that's the that's the pattern that seems to work for them to to explain the game in a certain way and sometimes mm-hmm. in their head they're just like all right i i don't feel like i need to explain this right now because it's not relevant like there are time like a prime example is if cards have a bunch of abilities on them and stuff like that i'm not going to explain them all i'm just not and there's people who will take the time and be like all right you know let me let me show you like the cards and what they do and i'm like no if a new car gets flipped, it's one of those things. A new car gets flipped. You can just explain to me what the new card is. Mm-hmm. You know, because the thing is, I don't know if that card exists. You know that card exists, but it might not come up this game. So what does yeah. it matter? I think you, you know? touched on exactly the good point. People teach games differently. 
I might teach rule A, B, C, D. You might teach, you know, D, C, B, A. And if I interrupt you after you're done teaching A and you moved on or interrupt you after you're teaching one one rule to go on to the next rule, you're like, I'm going to get to that. That's next. I'm not there yet. Don't you yeah. don't need to interrupt to make sure this person remembers to do it. If they forget at the end, you can add to it. But most of the time, it's because they're going in a different order. So many times people have interrupted the teacher and then the teacher's like, yep, I'll get to that. Like, I'm getting to it. You don't need to do that. Yeah. I found myself doing that from time to time. So what I, I ended up doing, and now I'm cognizant of it, so I don't. Mm-hmm. And I just, li- a lot of times I'll just listen or I'll talk with somebody that I, or I'll like putz around on my phone or something like that. But what I used to do is if I knew there was a new player at the table to like prevent myself from being that person, I would get up and walk away. Or yeah. I would like, I would just, I would ch- cut everything else out and just, you know, play freestyle on my phone. That way, like, I don't, I'm not listening. I don't know. I don't, like, you're teaching it. I have no responsibility here. Like, I'm just, all I'm doing is waiting for the game to start once you get through that teach. That's literally all I'm doing. I don't think there's anything malice. I know, like, you've done this before. Like, you, I'm saying as the audience have done this before. I've done this before. Like, there's no malice. I'm not mad at you. Like, I understand it's all, like, the intent is good, right? You're trying to help. You're trying to make sure people don't learn it. You're excited to learn the game. You also like teaching the game and you want to help out. Like it's fun. It's all great fun. And I don't think you realize how how distracting it is. Yeah. So now you know. I've told you. Now you know. Now do your best to zip it. You know, it's just something you just don't realize you're doing. You really you think you're being helpful and you're really being problematic. I agree. And I think the other thing is not only is it annoying to the teacher from my perspective it's annoying to the player yes the player learning because the the especially a teacher that you know has a certain thing and wants to set up the game in a certain way to you and then you're interrupting that setup it ends up like i've had it before where somebody's explaining a game and then another person keeps chiming in and i'm just like wait what and they're and the one guy's like i haven't gotten to that yet so then i'm already thinking about this other thing that like has no merit on the current thing that's getting explained Mm-hmm. You know, so now I'm trying to like make sure I disassociate those two things from together. Like this token does not have anything to do with this action. Like they just wanted to talk about the token, you know, so it, it's it's very distracting as a learner as well. Oh, 100 percent. I've I've it's offensive when I'm the teacher. It's annoying and offensive when I'm a teacher. I'm like, I'll get to it. You don't need to undermine me. It feels really more offensive to me, but it's definitely like more annoying and distracting when I'm the learner. Like, yeah. I don't want these details like I don't want to just let me listen to the teacher, you know, and so I have said things to people when I'm the teacher like I'll get to that. Please don't interrupt me, you know. Yep. But as a learner, I've kind of kept my mouth shut. But I think, you know, I'll try to take my own advice and speak up and just, you know, say can can just one person teach and then you can back up at the end. You know, I think think that's an appropriate thing to say. Yeah, for sure. I agree. It's distracting. You could say it's distracting me when multiple people are are telling me things. Can we just have one person do it? That would be a way to say it in a nice way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The backup teacher number seven. Now you know. Nobody's mad at you. Just don't do it anymore. All right. Here here's what we're gonna do real quick. Uh, we're getting into your number six. Here's what we're gonna do. We've spent a lot of time. You vented a lot, and I'm here for it. Like spilling your tea is fantastic. I love every second of it. We're breaking this up. 
We're gonna oh, finish boy. off. We're gonna finish off six. Next episode, we're gonna go five through one. All right. All right. All right. So this is the last one for this episode. We're gonna do. We're gonna do. We're gonna hear her number six, and then next week five through one. So you're okay. gonna have to wait for those ones because it, it <laughs> seems so therapeutic. I've never seen you so happy. So let's do. This. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Couple, I don't want to feel rushed. Yeah. <laughs> I got things to say to get off my chest. I need to do it, and I need the time to do it in. All right. Fair enough. All right. Number six. Yeah. Uh oh. The distracted gamer. Ugh. This yeah. goes along a little bit with the, oh, I don't care, gamer. Also, I think I'm going to loop those together. The distracted gamer is somebody who is not paying attention to the game. They're just there to have a good time. They never know whose turn it is. They never know it's their turn. They had no idea it was their turn. You know, they haven't been thinking about their turn. They haven't been pre-planning anything. They are not invested in this game at all. They don't care. No big deal. Yeah, there's there the only exception maybe to that is when you start playing um Secret Cabal always calls it like beer and pretzel games, games that aren't like euro games, right? That are just like there for, you know, have fun, do a couple things, you know, I think of a game like Dixit as a prime example. Like oh, you're yeah. there just there to have a good time and, you know, have fun and chat and enjoy each other's company. It's not like playing Orleans where you have to start paying attention to what's going. I agree. The distracted gamer, and I've I've been, you know, guilty of doing this in the past where I'm not necessarily feeling a game or like I'm just, you know, especially distracted. I've done it and you've corrected me and you've been like in the because of our friendship, you can be like, Bob, quit being distracted. Play the game. And I'll be like, yeah. OK, <laughs> sorry. My bad. My bad, mom. <laughs> because like okay clearly you're not having fun you're not invested in this game let's just get it over with you know what i mean like let's not drag it out even longer you know because somebody's not paying attention you know and I, and I know a lot of people have a hard time sitting for a long time i totally don't mind people get up walk around after their turn come back as yep. long as you know the pace of the game and you know it's going to be your turn and you've planned out your move you're not delaying the game at any sense you know yep. it's really those that are just not in it you know, they don't care. And the worst, I, I think, is like, oh, is it my turn? Like, everyone's sitting there waiting. Everyone knows it's your turn, except for you. You know, and, and yeah. you got to pay attention to that. Like, I don't want to have to, like, especially a quick game like Ticket to Ride, I don't want to have to go around the table and make go, oh, it's your turn. Okay, now it's your turn. Okay, now it's your turn. Like, I want a little bit of paying attention here. Especially if they're, like, fast turns, if they're, like, quick. And like yeah. you take one action and you're done. And there's not a lot you have to th like think about. If all you're doing is taking two cards, then the next person should know it's their turn. Yeah, there's, you should be engaged enough to know, especially when you see them pulling. Like It's easy to understand whose turn it is. In a game like Arc Nova, sometimes it's more difficult because you're you're, you do this, which pumps you up this, which gives you this, which allows you to flip a card, which, you know, those types of things. So it's a little bit more difficult to do it in a heavier Euro game. But if you pay attention, for the most part, you know. You know. I don't think it's the responsibility of the next turns player in those longer games. I think it's the responsibility of the current turn to say turn complete. Yep. 100%. But in quick games where you're just taking a card, you're drafting a card, you know, you need to be paying attention to the game. Otherwise, it's going to take forever. And I think, I think Ticket to Ride is like the most egregious time for me because I've played it with a lot of people that like that are super casual you know, not really paying attention. And then the whole time I'm like, okay, it's your turn. Okay. It's your like literally every single turn. I'm telling people it's their turn to take it. And yeah. 
and knowing that I try to change my mindset and not get frustrated that that's going to be my experience. It's going to take a long time. Like we need, you know, I'm just going to pay attention to everyone's turn so we can keep it moving because you can easy forget. And then all of a sudden you're off because the quint the turns are so quick. You know, the funny thing is we talk about taking fast turns and you and I take pretty fast turns for the mm-hmm. most part, I would say. And like, if, if I'm playing a game that I'm not into, you want to talk about fast turns, yeah. my turns are going to be lightning because I just don't care. And I'm just going to be like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I take less time thinking gonna... about it. So I'm so much faster. I'm not going to invest my time because I'm, I'm done. Like the yeah. game's just not interesting to me. I'm not going to analyze it. I'm just going to make a move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the polite thing to do is, is to just quick, make your turn, be done. You don't have to, you know, be negative, get upset. You don't have to leave. You know, you can finish the game. You can be respectful of everyone else's time and make sure it's fun for everybody else. But you, you, when you invest in a sit down to invest in a game, people are expecting you to pay attention, at least of some sort, to pay attention to what everyone else is doing. You know, the same way, you know, you want to make sure that when it's your turn that you are, you're, you know, it's your turn. And when it's the end of your turn, you want to make sure you're telling people it's the end of my turn. Then then they know that they now their turn. It really it really makes the game a lot more fun when everybody is paying attention to that and yeah and it speeds up the game, which obviously makes it more fun. You can yeah. get through them faster. Yeah, agreed. They don't yeah. need to be long with dull times. Like games are long enough. They don't have, need to have slow dull times of nothing going on in between things. Agreed. Because you're not paying attention throughout the game. I like it. I do. I do really like the fact that you. You touched on in a Euro game, it's the person's turn being done to uh, the person, current person's turn to indicate when their turn is done. Like we've, we've often said like turn complete. Like Mm -hmm. that's just our thing now is like, okay, turn complete. And a lot of people in the group are starting to like pick up on it, but it is also your responsibility as the player to hear that player say turn complete. Yes. Because I've said turn complete before. And then five minutes goes by and they're just like, Bob, are you done with your turn? I'm like, I'm, I said, yep. I said, turn complete. And they're like, well, no, you didn't. You were on, yeah. you were on your phone. So you didn't hear me. Well, I don't, maybe if they were talking, but if they can be on their phone and listen at the same time. Not they, they're not listening. Can. They're not listening. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think another thing with this is to pay attention to the speed of the game. Another thing that I really like is. Um, all right, I'm just trying to figure out where to place this tile or I'm trying to figure out which card I'm going to take. But you can go ahead and take your turn. There's no reason to wait until somebody's turn is 100% complete before we're moving on. You know, I'm going to I'm going to take these. I'm going to play animals. I'll I'll take care of the details of cleanup. Go ahead. It's on you. It's now you can do um you can start your turn. I don't need to finish everything completely. Once it stops affecting anybody else, let people know that. You know, I'm, okay, I'm just going to figure out what I'm going to do with this one thing. While I'm doing that, you can take your turn. Well, it's almost like in Ticket to Ride, if one if player A says, all right, I'm going to draw new tickets. So then they grab a hand of three. There's no reason why player B can't draft cards, player C draft cards, player D draft cards before mm-hmm. player A makes their decision. The only mm-hmm. time that would make it that I will stop if I'm going to claim a track. Because yeah. that is important to those tickets. But aside from me just grabbing cards, like that display is going to be completely different by the time it gets back to player A anyway. Mm-hmm. That I don't think it matters that much, you know. 
Especially yeah, if you have a longer game that has a lot of cleanup in between actions. You're like, all right, now I got to do this, 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 and this, but it doesn't affect anybody else. Be aware of that and let people know, all right, you can take your turn. Nothing I'm going to do is affecting you. It's kind of like in Scythe, do your top action. And then when you get on the bottom action, all right, that's my top action. I'm just going to do my bottom action. You're free to take your turn. And that really helps speed up the game and it makes it a lot more enjoyable. And yeah. even if you don't get bothered by long games, like you can play more games if you make them faster, <laughs> you know, that Agreed. way you have more time to think. You can use your time to think instead of, you know, just waiting for somebody to clean up and whatever they need to do. Make that one decision that has no effect on you and then wrap it up. Nice. I like it. You seem so much happier. You're oh so. Yeah. I'm so lightened. <laughs> this, is, this is such a mental health like dump for you (laughs) (laughs) these are the things i hate i love it i always ask people like can i go now and they're like no i'm picking out my car i'm like yeah but that doesn't affect me oh yeah yeah that's fine yeah some people get real they'll get real weird about like no my turn's not done yet you're literally just choosing which enclosure you're gonna flip it does it literally makes it has zero impact on my turn yeah. You know, like you're flipping over two, you know, tile in Arc Nova, for example. You have two of them. One's by mountains, one's by water. You should know which one you're flipping. Like you flipping mountain isn't going to be like, oh, man, I was going to take cards. But now that you flip that mountain, yeah. I'm not going to take if, cards anymore. Like what? If, let people know that you're done doing things that might affect them. And that if you want to sit there and think about things, I've had that where I'm like, OK, I'm definitely taking this tile. I'm not sure how I'm going to place it, but go ahead and take your turn while I sit here and manipulate it for five minutes. There's no reason why people need to wait around for me to do that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, once I say that to you, it, it, it helps the game. But you need to say that because like, I'm committed to this tile. So once you say that you can take your turn, then you know that I'm committed to it. I'm not like thinking about taking the tile, and maybe putting it back, you know, you know, it, it's yep. more enjoyable experience. All right. Anyways. That is a long tangent of the distracted gamer and how it affects things and makes games go longer and not as enjoyable. There you go. Don't be the distract. Don't be the distracted gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. Uh, I like this list. I'm glad we broke it up into two, two weeks. I like it. I'm I'm here for it. I'm I'm all ready for the next five, but we just well, don't have the time right wait now. Wait <laughs> till we get to the next five because these are so incredibly offensive. <sighs> I love it. Oh, man. Nothing worse. Yeah. Yeah. Next Nothing week. Nothing worse. Let's do this. I love it. All right. Well, thanks for listening to my shenanigans this week. Join us next week where we'll revisit this list and do even more offensive things. Or I'll, I'll talk yep. to you about more offensive things. I won't be doing more offensive things. Uh, please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Facebook or Instagram. And send us your any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>